0: And as I mentioned many times from this pulpit, one of the best things I learned from my father is, if the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. The Bible is pretty plain on what it means. When the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God, it means that Jesus is the Son of God. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it means that Jesus is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures, was buried according to the Scriptures, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, it means it! Paul said, if Christ be not risen, our faith is in vain. But then he said, but now is Christ risen. So guess what? Our faith is not in vain. Our faith is vibrant and living because our Savior is vibrant and living. So it's been said that a lot of times when we have a Mother's Day message, it's about encouraging mothers to continue to stay the course and, be, and to realize how much we are grateful for them. And then when it comes to Father's Day, we spend a lot of our times challenging the fathers to be better fathers. And that is a a good thing to do. But today, I want to spend some time thanking my father and thanking fathers in general. So, as we look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, we find four things to be thankful um, and honor our fathers for. And so... We will be looking at those this morning. The first one is to be thankful for and honor your father for showing you God's ways. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is an important caveat. Remember, Paul when he said, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. When Paul was saying imitate me, he was not saying that from a place of arrogance or superiority. He was saying, I have learned how to have success in my Christian life, in my walk, by following Christ. And because I have learned by following Christ so may you learn from me by following Christ so this this phrase in the lord is so important because if god forbid our fathers ever asked us to do something that was against the word of god our responsibility would be to not do that thing as a matter of fact jesus says Unless you hate father, mother, and sister, and brother more than me, you cannot be my disciple. So my primary allegiance, your primary allegiance, is to God. And I would submit to you today that the only way that you can be an effective father is that if that allegiance is in the proper order. The Bible says in in one of Paul's epistles that the head... Of the man is Christ and the head of the man uh, and the and the head of the woman is the man, but the head of the man is Christ. So there is a chain of command from which to draw wisdom and instruction. And I'm very thankful that I have a father who has taught me in the ways of the Lord. My dad is a very black-and-white thinker, and so he always approaches issues with right is right and wrong is wrong. And I've been so blessed by that, especially as we have been so inundated of late with a pluralistic culture where we are told to live our truth. My friends, there is only one truth, and that truth is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was definitive. That's one thing that you know about Jesus and God as our Father is that He is definitive. What was the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So let's consider a little bit more about fathers who teach us in God's ways. Proverbs twenty three twenty two. Proverbs twenty-three twenty-two. If someone gets to that cross reference, just stand and read it for us. I would really appreciate it. Hearken unto thy father that begot thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. So this is um, admonition to us. For both father and mother, but I think it's interesting that it says here, "Hearken unto the father, unto the father who begot you." My father gave me life, and he gives me his experience and his wisdom as I go through this life. He's experienced the things that I'm experiencing. Before I did, and a lot of times his advice is to help me to avoid some of the things that he went through. Um, because um, experience is a great teacher, but others people's experience can sometimes even be a better teacher if we are willing to listen. And as a matter of fact, the Proverbs of Solomon are all about teaching the next generation wisdom for where... He failed, and Proverbs thirty-one is written from a uh, from a mother to her son, and so it's all about wisdom. Colossians three sixteen and seventeen, Colossians three sixteen and seventeen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So this is a kind of a good barometer for life that we should do everything to God's glory and that we do that by inundating ourselves with the Word of God. Why is this important? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we put good things in our heart, good things are going to come out. And again, I'm very thankful... For a father who taught me to hide the word of God in my heart, to love the word of God as a precious treasure. I believe that I'm a preacher today because my father taught me that there is nothing more important than following and teaching the word of God. For many years, Monterey, a California coast town, was a pelican's paradise. As the fishermen cleaned their fish, They flung the offal to the pelicans. The birds grew fat, lazy, and contented. Eventually, however, the offal was utilized, and there were no longer snacks for the pelicans. When the change came, the pelicans made no effort to fish for themselves. They waited around and grew gaunt and thin. Many starved to death. They had forgotten how to fish for themselves. The problem was solved by importing new pelicans from the south birds accustomed to foraging for themselves. They were placed among their starving cousins, and the newcomers immediately started catching fish. Before long, the hungry pelicans followed suit, and the famine was ended. This is from Bits and Pieces, June 23, 1994. So I just thought that was a good illustration of how example can mean an awful lot. Um, I remember uh, there was a common phrase um, growing up, do as I say and not as I do. And often it's used to make an excuse, well, I can do this, um, but you shouldn't do it. But just do the things that I say. But the reality is that I've learned a lot more by watching what my father does and his reactions to things than simply what he says. And I'm glad that the things that he says are backed up by the way that he lives. Okay, the second point that I have this morning is be thankful for and honor your father because of God's promises. I... I actually don't think this gets emphasized enough. But it is true that this is a commandment that comes with a promise. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Again, we can see this From a practical standpoint, um, if our parents tell us to do something, if our father tells us to do something, particularly if they are a godly father, they are probably telling us from wisdom and from experience that the thing we are about to do is a foolish thing. And so, therefore, we should avoid it. When my dad told me when I was younger to not cross the street by myself, because we lived on a cul-de-sac and our street wasn't very busy. This was when I was really tiny. He told me not to cross the street by myself. And I would do it sometimes anyway because I thought it was fun. And then he would discipline me for it. But the reason that he said that was because if I did, I could be hurt. He didn't want me to be hurt. It wasn't that he wanted to keep me from the street because the street was fun. It was that He wanted to keep me alive. And so that's from a practical standpoint. From a spiritual standpoint, though, when God says something, He means it. And if we want to love life and see good days, then we need to honor God with that life. Because the Bible says that He purgeth those who he needs to. And I truly believe that if we want to have a long life and see good days, we need to honor the Lord. Does that mean that everyone who dies young hasn't honored the Lord? No, it doesn't. But what it does mean is that he will honor us if we do what he says. If we live a life that's pleasing to God and we take care of the temple that is our bodies, we can live longer because we are healthier. And um, we can also live more fulfilled lives in the years that we have by following God's commands. Let's look at some evidence for this from the Old Testament. Um, first, at Exodus 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then Deuteronomy 5, 16. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God has commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So again, this, this idea that Paul is bringing forth here in Ephesians comes from those Old Testament uh, passages. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. And so no doubt he is thinking of that as he is writing this. And he says, hey, there's a promise here. If you want to live a fulfilled satisfied, long life, honor your parents. If you want to be foolish, your life may be cut off. Because there are so many people in our popular culture who you hear their, you watch their stories in like a biopic or whatever it may be. And you realize that they may have had fame. They may have had fortune. Uh, they may have had notoriety, but they weren't living for anything other than self. And when self wasn't good enough, they did, their life ended short, young, because they didn't have anything to live for. We have something far greater than the world to live for because we are bought with a price, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said that we are a peculiar people, that we are called to be separate, that we are called to live according to a higher ideal. We are in a place in our culture where we need the church to come back to the blueprint of the Bible. And a big part of this blueprint is to honor father and mother and to acknowledge their place within the family. And this doesn't end when you turn 18. It doesn't end when you have a family of your own. <clears throat> it may change, but it doesn't end. This idea that we have a generation gap, where we have people that we can't learn from because they're not in our generation or they're the, long, the, the wrong generation to learn from, I submit to you the case of Rehoboam. went to the old men and the old men said if you show mercy these people will follow you wherever you go they'll do whatever you ask them to do just show mercy and then he went to the young men and they said exert more power than your father ever did you should show more power in your little finger than he ever had and that led him to destruction and a life of, of living evil before Lord. So we need to learn from the wisdom of our elders. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Satan wants us to focus on the problem not the provider. He constantly points to what seems to be rather than to what God has promised to do. If we stop spending time with the Lord in prayer, the concerns of the physical world snatch our attention and dominate us while the spiritual senses deaden and the promises fade. I am absolutely convinced that the number one reason that Christians today don't pray more is because we do not grasp the connection between prayer and the promises of God. We are trying as individuals and churches to pray because we're supposed to without a living faith in the promises of God concerning prayer. No faith life of any significance can be maintained by this ought to approach. There must be faith in God at the bottom. When real faith in God arises, a certainty comes that when we call, he will answer. That when we ask, we will receive. That when we knock, the door will be open. Jim Symbola Fresh Faith, What Happens When Real Faith Ignites God's People. And I have seen... My parents pray and cry out to God in times of great confusion. And they allowed those times to draw them closer to God instead of away from God. My parents could have been bitter and angry that I was born with a disability. And I'm sure there were times when they felt that way. But overall, they knew that God had a plan. And so that's the message that they inundated me with throughout my life until I came to believe it myself. My parents could have become bitter and disillusioned when my brother John Michael passed away at three months of age when I was 13 in 1992. But again... Though they struggled, I watched them draw closer to the Lord Jesus. And as a result, a year later, I rededicated my life to Christ and have determined over these several years to proclaim the gospel whenever God would open the door. And this is in direct proportion to the fact that I saw my parents Believe God. Your your children are watching you. How can you expect them to believe a God that you yourself do not believe? Like it says here in this little snippet, how can we expect others to believe in the power of prayer if we ourselves do not? I know I need to spend more time in prayer and I would just encourage you to do so as well because there is real power in prayer. I'm reminded of a story of where someone was struggling with a particular issue and they were at a meeting at the church and the pastor said, well, let's pray for you. And the lady whose issue it was said, has it come to that? The reality for us is that prayer should be our first resort and our middle resort and our last resort. Yes, prayer may cause us to take action that God wants us to take. Yes, prayer may cause other people to take action to help us that God wants them to do. But prayer is where the power is. The third point this morning and final is be thankful for and honor your Father for patiently teaching you God's Word. Ephesians 6.4 And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We talked in the beginning of this message today about the importance of a father's example. And now I want to talk to you about the importance of a father teaching you God's Word. I remember when I was in high school, my dad would get us up early. By early, I mean... 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning so that we could do wisdom searches in the Psalms and the Proverbs before he left for work. Five Psalms, one proverb a day. And we would talk about them and we would list the promises of God from them. And I still love the Proverbs because of that. I remember times when Around the table, my dad would read biographies of great men and women of the faith. And it really encouraged me and inspired me that I wanted to be such a man. I remember even when we would stay home from church because someone was sick, we would always be watching a sermon and trying to learn the truths of God's word and as i mentioned many times from this pulpit one of the best things i learned from my father is if the plain sense makes sense seek no other sense the bible is pretty plain on what it means when the bible says that jesus is the Son of God. It means that Jesus is the Son of God. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it means that Jesus is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures, was buried according to the Scriptures, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, it means it. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, our faith is in vain. But then he said, but now is Christ risen. So guess what? Our faith is not in vain. Our faith is vibrant and living because our Savior is vibrant and living. In Revelation we read, I am he that liveth and was dead. And I hold the keys to eternal life. Isn't it wonderful that we don't visit Jesus in a cemetery? But rather we look into an empty tomb. The stone having been rolled away, not so he could get out because we know that he could walk through walls but rather so that we can look in and see as the angel said, he is not here for he has risen just as he said. Can we look at Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 18 to 23. Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 23. Therefore shall you lay up Children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and thou liest down, and when thou <clears throat> risest up. And thou shalt break them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord were unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to cleave unto Him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater, greater nations and mightier than yourselves. So we see here a pattern of life. God gave these instructions of who He was, And what he represented. And then he said, take them with you wherever you go. Bind them on your person. And I know that many traditional Jews still do that to this day. But I don't think that God was talking so much about putting them on your physical person as making them a part of you. I still remember one time several years ago my cousin who does not know the Lord and considers herself a pagan wrote me a message on Facebook and said stop sending me Jesus garbage. And I had never actually sent her a personal message I don't think. But I think it was more or less the fact that Most of the stuff I share online has to do with Jesus because Jesus is my everything. So I can't help but not share. I can't help but share what God has done. Remember what Peter and John said when they were told by the Sanhedrin to stop speaking in Jesus' name. He said, whether it is right to speak in Jesus' name, judge you, but we cannot help but to speak those things we have seen and heard. We don't talk about Jesus because we think we're better than the world. We talk about Jesus because we know that we're not, but He loved us anyway. if you read that passage in Deuteronomy, there is absolutely zero time when you shouldn't be talking to your children about Jesus. Because the very creation of the world testifies to a creator. I came to an interesting revelation recently. I guess... I had always known it in the back of my head, but when I was reading through the <clears throat> wedding in Cana, and Jesus turned the water into wine, and the steward says, "Usually, you you save the best wine, or you save you use the best wine first, and then you save the inferior wine to last." But you brought out the best wine, and I. I don't remember if I heard someone directly speak this or I just had this thought that the reason that the wine at the wedding of Cana was so amazing was because the creator of the grape made it. The reason why you are so amazing, the reason why I am so amazing is because we're fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the world. Let's look very quickly at Proverbs 6:20 20 to 23. Proverbs 6:20 20 to 23. My son, keep your father's command; do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart; tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you; when you sleep, they will keep you; and when you when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp. And the law is like reproof of instruction are the way of life. So that last passage was to the fathers. And this one is to the children. To again, find the truths of Scripture to yourself. Meditate on those truths of Scripture. Make them a part of everyday life. The psalmist says... I have desired your precepts more than my necessary food. And that's the kind of love that we should have for the Word of God. Umberto Eco said, I believe that what we become depends on what our fathers teach us at odd moments when they aren't trying to teach us. We are formed by little scraps of wisdom. I don't remember... How long ago this happened? For all I know, it could have happened before I was born. But for as long as I can remember, every month on the 7th of the month, my dad gives my mom a gift because that's the day of their anniversary. And so all of my life, I've grown up with the idea that you should love your wife as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. Because I've seen that modeled by my Father. And I still pray that I would have the opportunity to do that someday. But whether or not I do, I'm still grateful for the example of how a man is supposed to treat his wife. And what a wonderful society we would have if as a society, we would get that right. That's one of those little things. He didn't sit down and tell me that I should do that, but he showed me by example. In conclusion, I want to say a word to the fatherless. Because I know that Father's Day can be a hard day. My father himself lost his father when he was 4 years old he doesn't really have very many memories of him but my father has taken solace in this verse as long as i can remember as well a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is god in his holy habitation god setteth the solitary in families he bringeth out those which are bound with chains but the rebellious dwell in the dry land My friends, Psalm 68, 5, and 6 is for you. Even if you have no living family members, if you have trusted Christ, you are adopted into the family of God. And if you have not yet been adopted into the family of God, my prayer is that you would be today. So I'm so thankful for my father and for other fathers. And I just pray that we would stay the course and that we would shine even brighter as this world gets darker. Because the world needs light now more than ever. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you how much you love us. And I thank you that the promises of God are yes and amen. And now I pray for the food of this potluck and for the rest of us as we go our separate ways that you would bless us today you make your face shine upon us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.